Carter Report presents worship from the Community Adventist Fellowship in Glendale, California. A special welcome to all of our viewers in North America and our new friends and churches in Russia. Today, you'll enjoy outstanding music and the preaching of the everlasting gospel by pastor, teacher, and evangelist John Carter. Please get your Bible and study the Word of God with us today. Thank you for joining us for Worship and Praise. Teach. 
words are not enough Please show me how to love My words are not enough Please show me how to love Show very special welcome to our viewers on the cable networks and also our friends on Three Angels Broadcasting Network. And of course we don't forget each of you special people who has joined us today in our Community Adventist Fellowship. My topic is an ambitious one, how to solve our health problems, individually and uh, nationally too. Uh, of course, everybody here is conscious of the debate that's going on in the nation over the Clinton's uh, health reform bill or proposal. While many people may differ concerning what should be done, everybody says it is long overdue that something is done. At present, uh, to try to stop people from dying it's costing about 10% of the federal budget. They say by about 25 years time, it won't be 10%, most likely be 35%, a little more than a third of the budget. We won't be able to afford it. It is absolutely necessary that there needs to be a health revolution. Let me tell you this today. There is a plan already proved that would eliminate almost all disease. There is a plan. There is a plan that if we were smart enough and wise enough to accept it, would eliminate at least 80% of the health costs. At the end of the, um, the Ford commercials when they're selling explorers and so forth, they have a little saying, it says, have you heard it? It's working. <laughs> I always listen to the close of the commercial because I like that part. They say, it's working. There is a plan that God has devised and it's working. I want you please to take your Bible now and turn with me over here to a text in 3 John and verse 2. 3 John and verse 2. Thank you, Steve. 3 John and verse 2, which gives us the attitude of God towards our physical as well as our spiritual well-being. Third John, and uh, I'm going to move this over here just a little, because I don't plan to stay here all the time. Third John and verse 2, God says through John, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And so God says... I not only want you to be saved in the kingdom of God, I do not only want you to, to prosper in a spiritual capacity, but God says, I want you to be in health. And the Bible tells us that God has got a plan that would eliminate almost all disease on the face of this earth. Firstly today, I think we should ask the question, how serious 
are our health problems in this nation. Let me give you some statistics. Now, you've got to know the bad news before you can appreciate the good news. Now, here is the bad news. One-third of all Americans suffer chronic pain. One-third of, of us suffer chronic pain, and most of it unnecessarily. Only one person out of 25 over the age of 65 is free of chronic pain. Every year, six million people are hospitalized for heart disease in this country. More than two and a half million people are treated for cancer. Every year, 21 million people in this great land undergo surgery. One in four people between the ages of 15 and 54 will contact a sexually transmitted disease. One in seven Americans enter, enter a hospital every year. 70 million every year visit an emergency room for treatment. Over 100,000 of us a year die in adverse reactions to prescribed drugs. These are not people who are taking cocaine or, or something else on the streets. These are people who have received drugs at the hands of physicians. 100,000 of them die. One in three families has an alcohol problem. Not one in ten over 40 could pass a fitness test. And over 405,000 people, Americans in this great land, over 405,000 will die this year of cancer, and one out of every four of us will eventually be stricken with this dread disease. I would suggest to you today, on the authority of the greatest authority in the world, the authority of Holy Scripture, that there is an answer to this awful problem that is confronting the human race. Uh, a famous doctor whose name is Dr. Burkett, in one of his books, uh, tells the story, and there's a picture in this book, of, of a bunch of doctors and nurses who are in the ward of a hospital and they're working frantically mopping up the water which is flooding over the floor. But nobody seems to be aware of the fact that the faucet is still turned on and the water is pouring out and the doctors and the nurses and the people are frantically engaged in trying to mop up the water, I would suggest to you today that there is a better way and we ought to turn off the faucet. And that's really going to be the theme of my talk. It is, it is necessary for us to have surgery. It is necessary for us to mop up the mess. It is far better, my friend, if we could devise a plan whereby we could turn off the tap, turn off the faucet. And I want to say today in the words of the Ford commercials for Explorers and Lincolns, it's working. Because when you go to the Scriptures, you'll discover that the Almighty Creator God placed there in His Word a tremendous plan, and if we only had the wisdom to accept this plan, we could almost eliminate pain and suffering in this great land. This is not sensationalism. I want to talk to you about the amazing scientific health laws of the Bible, and I want you now to turn, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 15 and 16. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 15 and 16. 
in the Holy Word of God, the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, I want you to notice at chapter 30, verse 15 and 16. God says, see, I've set before you today life and death, uh, life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go, in which you go to possess. Did you know this, my beloved Christian friend and our friends on 3ABN throughout Los Angeles and our dear friends from Bakersfield, God has placed, and our friends from Bakersfield know this, God has placed in His Word, and He did this thousands of years ago, amazing truths that would make His people virtually disease-free. Did you know that even in the book of Leviticus, there is information there that has preserved the Jewish people for thousands of years? And even though they have not uh, perfectly fulfilled the law of Leviticus, because they have such a belief in their Jewish culture, those people have been preserved as a strong, virile race, when other people have vanished off the face of the earth, it is because they had the wisdom to obey the laws that God gave them through His servant Moses. Um, I want you to come over now to another text. I want you to come please to Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 2, which is a strong saying. Proverbs chapter 26, I want you please to get your Bible and to turn up the book of Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 2, and you'll find Bibles in the pews. And I would be very pleased if you would please look up these passages today. Turn up these passages. Proverbs 26 and verse 2. This is a law that can never be changed. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. It says in other translations such as the old King James Version, so the curse causeless shall not come. There's a reason for everything and the Bible tells us that there is a law, the Bible says, whatever a man sows, that is what he is going to reap. And the reason today we have a tremendous crisis in this land concerning health is because we have broken the laws of God. We have sown to the wind, and we are reaping the whirlwind. Let me read you a statement from uh, Jane Brody in her book, Guide to Personal Health, page 21. This is an astounding statement. Less than 10% of the difference in health between any two Americans is determined by the care delivered by the physician. Less than 10%. More than 90% results from factors beyond medicine's control, your genetic background, the healthfulness of your environment, and most importantly, how you live, uh, what and how much you eat, your drinking and your smoking habits, how much you exercise, how you relax. Your genetic heritage may determine your body type and facial features, but rarely is it a direct cause of disease. So this person says about 90% of those things that come to us 
are brought about by the way we live, we cannot basically blame a great deal of it upon our genetics. But this person says, most of the afflictions that come to us today are self-induced, and whatever a man sows, that he will reap. And this indeed, as Jesus said, is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Most of us would prefer to believe that life can be dispensed in a pill, but life cannot be dispensed in a pill. Life and the blessings of life come as the fruitage of obedience to the Word of God. I want to share with you today some lessons from Creation Week. I want to take you today back to the very beginning of time as we understand it, back to the days when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy when out of chaos God brought a cosmos. I want you to come and notice what God placed in the book of Genesis as truth for our salvation and for our physical and our spiritual well-being. I want you please to turn with me over here to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 to 29. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 to 29. Genesis, the first chapter, and verse 26 to 29. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And verse 29, and God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food. Please let me tell you something. Most of you dear folks here will know this. When God made our first parents and made them to live for eternity, God gave them a perfect diet. Most of us, when we get a motor car, the first thing we do is to look at the operating instructions. What sort of oil needs to go into the engine? What sort of lubricant? And so forth. It is indeed a tragedy that most of us care more for the lubrication of an engine than for the proper care of the body and the soul. The Bible tells us that the great creator God, in his infallibility, gave to the human race a perfect diet. It consisted of fruits and grains and nuts. Very simple diet, plain vegetarian diet. I'm going to suggest to you today that probably the main cause of cancer and heart disease and other debilitating diseases the main cause is because most of us have departed from the scriptures as far as the word of God is concerned. When I was uh, running a campaign some years ago in Africa, I went out into the African villages and I took particular note of their diet. It was a 
a very different diet to mine. It consisted of, of whole grains. It consisted of rice and lots and lots and lots of green leafy stuff. I spoke to a doctor friend of mine who had labored there for years, and I said, Dr. Don, tell me, because you were trained here in the States, you're a surgeon, tell me, how many cancers do you take out? He said, we rarely see a cancer in the village. He said, a cancer is the sickness of the American, of the Australian. Cancer is the sickness of the Western world. We don't have it here. I said, what about diabetes? He said, we don't see diabetes. How many people do you see die of heart disease? He said, it is virtually unknown. These are the diseases of the Western world that we have brought upon ourselves by our violation of the laws of God. I have a statement here. Listen to it. Disease is the retribution of outraged nature. The main reason that we suffer from cancer, and this is a difficult thing to tell you, some of you may say, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to say it because it's the truth. The main reason we are suffering from these fearful diseases like cancer and heart disease is because we are eating too much fat, too much sugar, too much salt, and too many refined foods. I want to read you from the book Live Longer Now by Leonard, Hofer, and Pritikin. Much of what is being sold as food on your supermarket shelves is not really food at all. It's garbage. It's garbage handsomely packaged and labeled as food, but it's garbage all the same. Fat consumption in the United States of America runs around 42%. In the third world, between 10 and 20%. In 1982, the National Academy of Sciences put out a report entitled diet, nutrition, and cancer. And one of the people who gave that report was a doctor, Dr. T.C. Campbell. He said, the relationship between diet and cancer, in my opinion, is now more persuasively established than the one between diet and heart disease. And he was talking about our fatty diet. I had the privilege. Now, I know this goes against our grain. I know and that was not meant to be a pun. I know that most of us are looking for a quick fix. I want to tell you folks, there's no quick fix. On occasions, people will come to me and they'll say, I'm suffering from an awful disease, will you pray for me? And I will always say yes. And I will pray that God will miraculously heal you. But what I'm going to tell you today is not what everybody may want to hear, but I'm going to say it. God does not normally heal in a split second. God normally heals by having me bring my life into harmony with the laws of the Creator God. Amen. I want to tell you the story of, of a person who became a friend of mine, Colonel James Irwin. One of the first men to walk on the moon. I've never been so upstaged in my life. I could give a talk in archaeology and say, well, here we are in Egypt. So he came straight after me and said, here am I on the moon. You know, it's hard to beat a show like that. And he showed us, you know, driving the lunar buggy and everything. 
He said, Nasser gave them the very best food that the Americans could, could give to their astronauts. Great T-bone steaks, heaps of eggs. He said before they got into the space capsule, before they blasted off for the moon, uh, they were fed huge steaks, smells good, tastes good, I know, because I used to eat it. Plenty of eggs, plenty of bacon. Coming back from the moon, he had a heart attack. When he got back to Nasser, and you think they would know everything about it, they said, your cholesterol is 400, you're in a bad way, now we're going to put you on drugs, and they put him on drugs, and he had another heart attack. And then by the providence of God, Colonel James Owen met a little Texas Adventist doctor, and he said to him, Jim, you're going to die unless you change your way of living. I want to say to every person listening here today and on television, don't turn it off because it may save your life. You're going to die. Many of you here are going to die unless you and I change our way of living. We need to return to the health laws of the Bible. Most of what Hillary Clinton is talking about, most of it could be eliminated. I, I thank God that she wants to reform the system. You may not like the Reformation, but I thank God that she wants to reform. But the Reformation is not going to be solved by more handouts from the federal government. It's not going to be solved by more hospitals, and it's not going to be solved by more drugs. It is going to be solved when people have the common sense to return to the health laws of the Bible. I want you to come now to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. I want you to notice this as we talk about creation week. Genesis 2 and verse 15. The Bible says, Then the Lord God took the man Adam and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. If a person wants to be healthy, he needs to work. I'm a great believer in the Bible text in the New Testament where the Bible says, if a man won't work, then he shouldn't eat. Now, I believe that we ought to help people who are homeless and people who don't have jobs because they can't get jobs. People say to me, would you let a person starve if he refused to work? Yes, I would. Because he'd only starve for a little while and he'd learn the lesson that he needs to work. The Bible tells us that God appointed work for our good. I want you to come over here to Genesis 3 and verse 19 where God says to our parents, he says, after they'd sinned, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Now, I want to tell you this. Can I look you in the eye? This is a lot harder sermon to preach than one on salvation by grace. This is a little bit like health by works. Let me tell you something. If you don't sweat earning your bread, then you need to sweat some other way. If a person wants to be healthy and avoid cancer, he needs to sweat. He needs to exercise. He needs to walk. Did you know, when you read about Jesus, you'll read on one occasion, and this is quite amazing in our own day and age, in John chapter 14, when you think of this, Jesus went for a morning walk in John chapter 4. It was 25 miles. 
In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul went for a Sunday stroll. It was 35 miles. Somebody said, being still is the next thing to being dead. It has been said, because God has given us 600 muscles in the body, that the two best doctors in the world are Dr. Right Leg and Dr. Left Leg. Richard Kipling, the famous Britisher, in Just So Stories, wrote this. Now don't anybody get too offended by this. The camel's hump is an ugly lump, which, well, you may see at the zoo, but uglier yet is the hump we get for having too little to do. Will you forgive me for that? Let me tell you my own personal experience. Because I'm not getting on to you, I'm just getting tired of burying people with cancer. I'm just getting tired of seeing people who are stricken, and I know the reason. I'm getting tired of the fact that I'm afraid to talk to them because I know that it's so, they're so touchy. And they'd rather die in hell with pain than change their lives. I'm getting sick of it. I wish that we would change. When I was a student at Avondale College, I worked hard and got average grades because I never exercised. In my last year, I met a man who said, John, you're not going to last it in the ministry with your temperament unless you exercise. I said, what should I do? I said, I walk a mile a day. He said, that's nothing. He said, a little old granny can walk a mile a day. You ought to run at least three to five miles a day. And so for the last 30 years, I've done so. But I do more than this now. I have been, uh, well, what should I say, impressed by the television ads that talk about the, the Nordic track, cross-country skier. And they say you need to use it three times a week for 20 minutes a week. That is only to get lazy people to buy it. I use it every day for 30 minutes. And I work it hard. And I work it until I am just a mass of perspiration. I do that with the same regularity with which I read the Bible or I pray because I want to be here in this church. Do you know what exercise will do for you? If you... People want to lose weight. Most people who lose weight put it back on. You'll never have to worry about weight if you eat unrefined foods, plenty of fruit, plenty of vegetables, whole grains, and exercise every day. And people who do this do not live just seven years longer, but around the world they're discovering the amazing truth that people who follow the health laws of the Bible are living 30 years longer. 30 years longer. 30 years longer. I want to tell you today, if you're going to put this sermon into practice, it's going to cause a lot of sore joints. It's going to cause you to change your lifestyle radically, but you won't most likely get cancer or heart disease and you'll feel better than you've ever felt before. There are some other things here in the book of Genesis, and we're not going to look them up, but I, I'm going to get back to the Gen book of Genesis in a moment. There are some other things that will help you to live longer and feel better. 
In the book of Genesis chapter 2, God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. God says, it's not good to be lonely. And people who are married live longer. Did you know this? So if you're not married, let us help you find a partner. <laughs> we will do everything we can. We took Rose to Russia and got her a Russian. We will do whatever it takes if this is going to help you. And if you can't get anybody you like and somebody we don't like either, then we will try to be your family. But people who've got friends and people... Uh, my wife went down to the Crystal Cathedral this week. A home is empty when you're there by yourself. When you come home and the kitchen has only got a big and personal fridge and you open the fridge and get out something cold. You need a wife. You do. Bed is very lonely when you wake up and there's no one there but a cold sheet. You know it's true. People who are married live longer. And did you know this? People who've got dogs and cats live longer? This is another part of my program. If you want to live longer, get away from all this fat and this garbage and all of this monstrous stuff they sell in the supermarkets simply to rip you off. Get onto the diet of Genesis. Get a lot of friends. And get a dog. <laughs> now, now, I'm not joking. I've never been more serious. The Bible tells us that in the Garden of Eden, God made the animals. And, and he brought the animals to, to Adam, and Adam said, this is a French poodle. No, he didn't. There are no French poodles in the Garden of Eden. There were dogs, but no French poodles. Did you know that people who look after animals have less sickness? Did you know this? You know why they got less sickness? Because they're thinking of something more than themselves. And because they're giving love. People who give love live longer. Look at Genesis 2 verses 1 to 3, another way that God tells you how to live longer. Look up the text please, Genesis 2, 1 to 3, and for our visitors here today, most churches are just finishing when we're just starting. Genesis 2, 1 to 3, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made, or God had done. I want to read you what one great theologian said, always like to slip in one quotation from the theologians, that makes us safe and scholarly. He said, where the holy day becomes the day of man, society and humanity wither away, and the demons rule. Mm. Moody said, he was the great Baptist revivalist in this great country, he said, if the Sabbath goes, the church will go, and then the family will go, then the nation will go. Now I want to tell all you folks something, this, and people who are watching on television, just listen. If you're busy seven days a week, making a living, you're not going to live very long. You're going to be a sourpuss too. 
You're going to be unhappy. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be miserable. God said, I want you to come apart and rest a while. God gave me the Sabbath for my spiritual and my physical blessing. If there's a person here today, you're not keeping God's Sabbath, then the demons are going to rule in your life because you're going to be so busy that you're not going to have time for your Creator God. Don't dare get out of bed on the Sabbath, Sabbath morning and say, I'm not going to go to church today because I don't need it. My friend, you and I need to come apart and worship the Creator God. We need the blessing of the Sabbath. You know, over in Wales, when they had donkeys down in the mines, those little Welsh donkeys used to work seven days a week, and the little donkeys became blind. They decided that if they would bring the donkeys up out of the pits on the Lord's Day, the little donkeys might survive, and the little donkeys survived, and the little donkeys could work harder during the week, and the little donkeys didn't go blind because the little donkeys were keeping the Sabbath. Some of us, well, I say it, some of us are not as smart as the donkeys. A little donkey needs to keep the Sabbath to stop going blind. So do we need to keep the Sabbath. That's why you need to go to church. Because Jesus said, I'm giving you the Sabbath. It's the rest day. It's the blessed day. It's the best day. It is the test day. Now, there are many other factors we could talk about in health, but there's one more, and it's tremendously important. Now listen, I'm telling you these things today because I love you and because God loves you. I personally wouldn't want to go along to a church where I get told every Sabbath everything is okay in your life, just keep on doing it, when the preacher knows it isn't. But that's one reason today we took up the offering before this talk. <laughs> now listen carefully. Here is a tremendously important factor if you want to be healthy. You ready for this? You're wondering what else you're going to lose? I've gone through the fat and the sugar and the salt and all the rest of the garbage foods. I told you you ought to get a treadmill or something and ought to run three or four miles a day after you've talked to your doctor to see if your heart can take it. But here is something that we specialize in. Peace of mind. You know something else that everybody needs to do if you want to be healthy? You've got to laugh. Somebody said laughter is jogging inside. So every person, a person, a Pharisee, must have had more heart attacks than anybody else. High cholesterol just by virtue of the fact that he was so grumpy all the time. Now some people think it is wrong to laugh in church. I think it's a great thing to laugh in church. I think God has got a sense of humor, don't you? Look at the hippopotamus. God must have had a sense of humor. And to make a giraffe with such a long neck, look around this church. <laughs> of course, God has got a sense of humor. Mm. 
We're not usually as flippant as this. This is a pretty solemn subject. We've robbed them of their fat and everything, so we want to send them out happy. Proverbs 14 and verse 30. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. That's talking about how you think. Come over to Proverbs 17 and verse 22. Now this is a great text. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22. A merry, say it with me, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. There are three great doctors that every person ought to be acquainted with, Dr. Rose. Dr. Diet is number one. Dr. Quiet. And number three, Dr. Merry Man. The doctor who can make you laugh. I was reading a book uh, about a man who was dying of what was apparently uh, a disease that had no cure. And he was not like the man that I read about in a certain anti-medical journal. And it showed an Irish lady receiving a bill from her doctor who was an Irishman. I can talk about the Irish because that's where my ancestors or some of them came from. And on the bill it said, given by this old Irish doctor, for curing your husband till he died. <laughs> Jesse, they didn't even get it. <laughs> Think about it, folks. Listen. Listen very carefully. The Bible tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. A Christian can have something that nobody else in the world has, and that is peace. Peace with God and peace with himself. Come over here to Colossians, please, chapter 3. Please turn up the texts, or turn to the texts, whichever way you'd like to get to them. Colossians chapter 3, and verses... 12 and onwards. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, here it is. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. What does it say? And be thankful, be thankful, and have peace in your heart. Now, here is the practical application, verse 16. Now, look at it, please. Try to practice it this week. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I want to tell you today that as a believer in Jesus, as believers in Jesus, we have a tremendous advantage. We can have, number one, assurance that our sins are forgiven. My life today can be under the precious blood of Jesus, and I can have an absolute assurance that I'm right with God and I'm going to heaven. Isn't this true? I can believe that Jesus on the cross 
made a complete sacrificial atonement for my sins and that because I have accepted Jesus, I'm right with God, I have salvation's assurance and I have peace in my heart and I'm going to heaven. Amen. I can know today that even if I should walk out of this church and I should die, if, if I should be killed in a car accident or I should be shot by some crazy wandering the streets, some crazy person wandering the streets of Los Angeles, I can know and Beverly can know that we are going to wake up in heaven in the resurrection morning. Amen. That gives me peace. That gives me hope. That gives me joy. It gives me satisfaction to know that one day I'm going to be with Jesus in paradise. I can know that whatever anybody does to me, my Father is working out all things according to His will. I can know that all things work together for good to those that love God. And the man, the man who is trying to do me in is actually doing me a blessing because God is taking His deviousness and His lies and God is using that for my good. Isn't that great? So that means I can have peace. I can have joy. And if I can have peace, and if I can have joy, and if I have the satisfaction of knowing that God loves me and my sins are forgiven, I can love you and I can forgive you and vice versa. Well, I like an amen, folks. I look too shocked. I like an amen, just that we don't get so many quite as enthusiastic as that. Now let me wrap it up for you. What should a person do about all of this? Well firstly, let me say to every person, those watching on television, don't close your mind. Don't say, I've always acted this way and this is the way I'm going to act. Um, that's a rather foolish thing to do. Say, by the grace of God, I'm going to bring my life into harmony with the amazing health laws of the Bible. I'm going to return to the diet of Genesis. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do those things that I ought to do. I'm going to, I'm going to be a warm, caring, loving person filled with, with joy in my heart. And I'm going to have the peace of God in my soul. And I'm going to have the assurance of everlasting life in the kingdom. But by the grace of God, because I love God, I want to bring my life into harmony with God's word. Amen. That's what I should say. Now, when we were over in Gorky or Nisni Novgorod, we saw something amazing. And a number of you folks here can vouch for the truthfulness of this story. There was an old man. He wasn't old because people in Russia only look old. A person in his 40s or a woman in her 40s in Russia can look an old babushka, a lady at least. People look old because of the harshness of the way they've been treated. This man came to the meetings, his name is Vladim. And he sat down at the right-hand side, where Dr. Reinder is sitting, he was basically carried to the meetings. He, he walked like this. 
he came in a little bit like a hunchback, ugly, poor, broken man, shuffling into the meeting. A man who was suffering from depression. Don't criticize these people if they suffer from depression. Unless you've got God in your life, we've got every reason to be depressed. If you don't have, but if you've got God, there's no reason to stay depressed, you say. And so Vladim came into the meetings. And I saw him. He came last year. He sat there night after night and he opened his heart up to Jesus and to the Word of God. Mm. He came to believe that Jesus was alive and that he was going to live forever and he was different to a lot of the people to whom I preach. He, he took what I was saying from the Word of God and believed it. He didn't say, well, that's just another lot of talk. That's just a lot of another... You know, I don't need to worry about that, and I don't be, need to be concerned about it. He was a doer of the Word, and when I went back to Russia just a few months ago, this young man came up to me and put his arms around me and gave me a super Russian bear hug and almost stopped me breathing strong. And he was walking and straight up and down like a gun barrel. Uh, he is now the caretaker of one of our churches. They did not employ him. He simply employed himself. He came along and started to work. He, is, he, is, he sings. He writes. He spreads the love of Jesus around. And he said, I have been healed. I am a new person. That's Adam. He was healed. I do not know that he was healed instantaneously in the meeting, as the faith healers do. I'm not claiming that happened, but I know something, he has been healed. And I have good evidence to believe that he was healed gradually and completely, as he said, I'm going to obey the great truths that are found in the Holy Word of God. Amen. This country is facing a terrible crisis. Cancer's not getting any less, no. What we're doing today is through medical, scientific technology, we're keeping people alive longer to suffer more. We're not beating it, but I want to tell you, God has got a message here to beat it. And the message is, it's working. Amen. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. This sermon Amen. will only work if you work on it.